oh my god and i just there's guys like just eating like honestly i saw one guy go airborne he just got checked off his bike oh, and I, that was the moment that i was like you know what i don't care about saying your energy anymore i'm going to the front and some guy crashed in front of me i dropped my chain and i chased so hard to get back and i'm just like oh, no. looking up and he Ke- Ke- it's funny because i talked to him before and i knew he was going to go hard to make to make that separation i just looked up the climb and i was like god dang my freaking life <laughs> From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor. And this is Sheldon. And Sheldon, the champ is back. Alexi Vermeulen is back in the house with the Midpack. So we have a uh, follow up conversation for the year 2020. It's been a year. It's been a full year since Alexi's been on. You know, Sheldon, I was thinking about this. Um, Alexi had a pretty good 2019, right? Well, I mean, we can all agree with that. Like he uh, won Iceman. Yeah, is that what you call winning Iceman a good year? I I would think so. But I think the the pinnacle of his year was he was one of the first interviews that we had on the Dirty Chain podcast. Oh, he he was... The uh, I would say the uh, the jump off point for the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we had a few episodes before that. Um, they were all great episodes, but yeah, we uh, the the fact that we were able to talk to him right after his Iceman win was big for us, and I'm sure it really helped his career and brand. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 sure. Before we get to that interview, Sheldon, um, I you know. It's been a while. We've we haven't talked for a bit. We've kind of went on a little hiatus for the uh, the podcast a bit. We're back on we're back on Zoom. Yeah, we're back on Zoom. Unfortunately, but uh, this is probably going to be the way it is until you or I or both of us get a vaccine. But uh, but yeah, we thought it'd be great to finish off the year with um you know with a, a, a an incredible conversation that we had with with Alexi now. Sheldon, I've been working on a few, you know, titles. You know, I always like put a title to the podcast episode and I was like, you know, Alexi's coming back. What could we do? Like, what could we, like, what could I, you know, name it? And uh, so I, I have a few, I was going to run them by you. Is that okay, Sheldon? I, I'm, I'm game. Let's hear them. Okay. So um, this one's kind of lame, but Alexi, the sequel. What do you think? Very George Lucas. Oh, it's getting just hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Alexi strikes back. (laughs) If I could, I would choke you right now. Um, this one, okay. Return of the Ice King. (laughs) No, yes. (laughs) No. (laughs) Come on, man. I thought that that was my that was the best one. All right, this one's good. The Alexi Vermeulen Holiday Special. What about that? Ooh, 
I kind of like it. Even though that was the worst of the Star Wars, I love it. Hold on, there was only one Star Wars. They were all Star Wars. Hold on. Strikes Back, Star Wars, Return of the Ice King, that's Lord of the Rings, man. Come on, get your nerd culture correct. (laughs) Alexi, the sequel, that was just a lame title. No, that's that's, uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, but it was just Back to the Future 2. And Back to the Future 3. <laughs> Man, this is I don't even be- know where to go with this. I don't either. <laughs> Obviously, Sheldon, our rapport isn't quite where it usually is. We haven't talked for a while. We haven't done a podcast for a while. Folks, friends. We've, we've been away from the mics. We have been away from the mic. The studio has changed for me, Sheldon. Uh, Rachel- yeah, like... I, I see uh, not a ton of boxes. I actually see clean white walls behind you. Where are you? So Rachel and I bought a new house, and uh, this is a kind of a big reason that we haven't had a, a an episode for a while. Been spending a lot of time moving and, and doing all of that. Um, you know, excuses, excuses, but uh, we're, we're a little more settled now, and uh, hopefully there's going to be a dedicated podcast room for us yes i see a bike next to you what's going on in that room okay so we're not in the podcast room right now but i am in my training room um my zwift room basically which has been the basically the only riding i've been doing um lately i think we were talking before this don't feel guilty about that i haven't done an outdoor ride in December at all. Only Zwift. I've done a few Zwift rides, um, but but I haven't ridden outside at all. And I would like to say it's because we've been moving, but honestly, uh, I think it's because I'm just a giant wimp. <laughs> yeah, no, we really haven't had the best weather here in Michigan. It's been pretty snowy. Uh, today we got rain. Even though it was warm, it was not worth riding outside. It was a little bit of like sleet or whatever, but I was thinking about this because everywhere I see friends of ours, um, people that follow the podcast, they're out there just killing it, just out on their fat bikes, out on their gravel bikes, riding through this terrible weather, and I'm inside, uh, very (laughs) warm, and it's not fear of missing out. It's not FOMO. But it's like fear of being a giant wimp. <laughs> like, I feel bad. I do feel bad. Uh, I love Zwift. Listen, we've talked about it. Um, I love riding Zwift. I love racing Zwift. Um, you've been doing some Zwift too, by yeah, the way. Got a few Zwift rides in. Yeah. So the least dirty of, um, you know, this is not dirty chain whatsoever. It's very, very clean chain yeah. podcast. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, we got to get outside. We have to, um, I'm going up to, uh, the cottage for Christmas. I'm going to take a bike up with me and hopefully, cause my, my fattest tires are 2.1. So I, I don't really necessarily have a fat tire, but I'm going to hopefully ride some rail to trail when I'm up in Sheboygan. Cool. Great. Hey, not too long ago, uh, the UCI had Zwift worlds, which yeah. I don't know if you watched this. I watched it and I was way more entertained than I thought I would be. Uh, previous podcast guest Holden Camo was in the race too. So, I mean, I 
it was it was great to watch him. Some other uh, uh, U.S. pros participating in it, and man, it was it was it was just fun to watch. I don't know if you watched it, but you can you can pull up on YouTube. It was it was kind of cool. They they just raced the Watopia course. Um, it was it was pretty fun. You know, Sheldon, I was thinking about our year, and it's been an interesting year for everyone, but there. You, you know, last year we did a year-end podcast where we kind of talked about our favorite cycling moments, our favorite races, our least favorite things. But what I was wondering is, uh, looking back at the year in podcast terms, can you think of like a favorite interview we had, a favorite guest, a favorite opportunity um, what about this year for the Dirty Chain podcast is your favorite? I would say probably Jeremiah Bishop. Jeremiah Bishop was an amazing conversation to have, and he was so relatable and so easy to like be on the same level with. Mm-hmm. I would say Jeremiah Bishop. What about you? So I have a couple. Um, I I think... Early on, we talked with Stephen Hyde, and I thought that was just, I, I don't know, like he, he gave us such a, such a great conversation. It was just a blast to listen to his, his whole story, um, and uh, it, he was just great to talk to. And he, I've been a fan of Stephen Hyde for a while, and that was early on, and so the, the, the fact that we were able to talk to Stephen Hyde, I was like over the moon about um, Okay, I said a couple. I'm going to say three. Um, Hillary Allen, I thought, was such a great conversation because she wasn't, but she is a cyclist, but she's more of a runner. And I wasn't too familiar with her story. And to be able to talk with her and to get that story and then um, just to get to know her better as an athlete, that was, that was awesome. That was such a cool, like, that is an opportunity that I feel like that that's incredible that we can have, right? Like well, a huge shout out to our friend Ryan from bolt cutter bicycles. Cause he really paved the way for us to talk to her. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Um, and then we did have an actual face to face conversation out open air in the outside studio with Roy Krantz. And I thought that that to me, because we had had so many Zoom interviews before that, um, it was so great to actually talk to someone in person. And Roy did not uh, did not disappoint. Roy did not disappoint. Uh, so I, it was like uh, after so many Zoom interviews, to be able to talk to Roy in person was just fantastic. And I I really think, given how difficult 2020 has been for so many people we you and i have kind of made the most out of it for the podcast and actually created some great opportunities for us and um so many great names so many great interviews and we um definitely continue to plan to uh well just to keep it going yeah and uh and thank you to everyone that has been listening throughout this whole time Thank you. Thank you to everyone. I mean, uh, without the listenership and the sponsorship, we probably would not be where we're at today. So yes. So 
As we pointed out in the beginning, we thought there would be no better way to finish off the year and our podcast season than to talk with our friend, Alexi Vermeulen. Alexi takes us through his uh, proposed 2020 season and what he thought was going to happen, what actually did happen, um, his move to Colorado, the couple races that he participated in, his third place finish at the Belgian Waffle Ride in Cedar City, Utah. He still put together a pretty great season, even though the season barely existed. Um, And then he had some pretty interesting things to say about um, him as a rider, about cycling, gravel racing, and also the current challenges and opportunities not only for him, but uh, for the whole cycling community post-COVID. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the Alexi Vermeulen Holiday Special. Yeah, what's going on, guys? How's life? Not much. I, I'm still holding on to my uh, gift card you gave me uh, <laughs> because I can't go anywhere to get any beer. <laughs> so it's just sitting there all all lonely in my wallet just waiting to be spent. Was that so, Jolly Pumpkin or? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah Jolly yeah. Pumpkin. I mean, not Blue Tractor, North Peak. Um, but yeah, I just, Sheldon <laughs> found me when I was stranded on the side of the road in the middle of still didn't make it that that ride is like my my nemesis now oh you did i still i didn't make it my girlfriend had to pick me up i flooded three more times after i saw you i just like <laughs> i don't understand what i i don't i've never in my life had that much of an issue ever sheldon likes to tell that story a lot and but we've never heard the end of it so i appreciate that <laughs> yeah i like i i left sheldon i probably rode 15 minutes and then I was like, there's no way, there's no way I'm flatting. So, okay, I had one more tube on me that I think you had given me, Sheldon, maybe. I think so. And so, because I had really, originally started with two, I couldn't even get the tire back on. That's how, that's how where Sheldon came in to help me. <laughs> that's, hands were, your hands were literally bleeding. <laughs> oh, they, it was my own. I had really given it all I had. And <laughs> then, um, and Sheldon, you could admit, that was a hard tire. It took a little oh, bit, a little bit of love. It, it, was, it was a bitch of a tire. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. So like, I just, I, I, that one, then the tie two we had put in flatted and then I had had one more. I went to get it out. That had obviously been in my saddlebag too long, had a hole in it when I tried to pump it up. So then I, my girlfriend was like driving past. I said, Hey, can you just stop and just give me everything that I like, give me the tubes that I gave you before. And she did that. And I flatted about 10 miles later. Uh, patched it like two times and just it uh, I just like I, I have a video I should also send it to you guys to post with this of just like me seeing the side of a dirt road and the tire you just hear it hissing from like three different sides just in front of me <laughs> as it laid on the ground this sounds I, I was just, this uh, sounds like a pretty good uh I don't know analogy for <laughs> 2020 <laughs> 20 oh, if was 2020 just... was a bike ride <laughs> I, I was so I've never been more demoralized about a bike ride in my life, and I it honestly ruined. Like I was so excited to ride from you know from 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 Ann Arbor to Grand Haven, and like it was going so well, such a cool route, and just like uh, woke up early, it just nothing went well from the beginning. So <laughs> well, you, anyway, you up at five a.m. from that day, you? 
Yeah, but it's yeah. like when I saw you, I think it was like ten or eleven, and I've been sitting on the side already for an hour. Yeah, it was ten o'clock when I got to you, and <laughs> yeah, so it's not anyway. It was it was interesting. To, um, to throw some water on that. That was the same day my dog died, so it was a great day. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a hard day. I, I was, that's why I, was, I felt so bad after you came. There's just so much going on for you. You still found time for me sitting on the side <laughs> of the bike trail. Uh, well at least there was like at least some good humor out of it i mean yeah and and now i know i have to just have to call spin because i called three other bike shops i told shelvin all of them told me they couldn't help out at all and no i I couldn't pay them to drop off a tube i couldn't pay them for anything so i was like cool thanks i'll spin spin will will help you out yeah so all right uh alexi thank you for joining us once again um it has been about a year since the last time we talked, um, uh, you know, right after your now famous 2019 Iceman win. And Sheldon, I thought it'd just be great to catch up, see how your season or lack of season has kind of gone. Um, but yeah, we're, I, we're I know really there's... By now we'd be having a beer with you, but... <laughs> yeah, like in, in, in real life, but... Uh, uh, yeah, you still had some cool things happening and, uh, we kind of want to know, like, I, I kind of want to go back to, uh, the start of 2020, what you had uh, planned. I know you had a big move. You're doing a lot of, uh, training and, uh, yeah. And then what did 2020 kind of turn into for you? Yeah. Not, not for the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's still up in the air anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it was really funny. I 2020, you know, you go in, I mean, Iceman's great for a lot of reasons. It can kind of be the end of your season. It can be done. And, you know, it, it, it was what it was, whether it was bad luck or anything else, or you do well, and it's great motivation going into the off season. Um, and, that, and that's kind of what it ended up being with me. It was, it was nice to be able to, you know, re-sign or sign new contracts that I, I really wanted to, to get done. Um, had high aspirations, you know, of working with, you know, with uh, like uh, – with other Michigan companies, you know, there's a, uh, one of my friends owns a mortgage company that was coming on, just, you know, wanted to support the support, what I was doing. And then, you know, uh, Jolly Pumpkin and North Peak came on. I was just excited about being more, being able to be more involved. Um, I think ever since I left the world tour, that's, that was one of the reasons I did. Of course, I'm, I'm always going to be a racer first, but I, I wanted to, to take that step toward being more in the community and, and instilling that kind of what COVID has. And, and the fact that like people, it, it, I wanted to get people out on bikes, I guess is the easy way to say it. Um, and I think, you know, I, beginning of the year went well, January, February, I did the normal things. I went to training, went to training camp in Tucson, um, did 24 hours of old Pueblo. Um, so I raced once before COVID started. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I was actually in, I'd already flown to California in March, uh, like March 8th, I flew to California and was getting ready for the UCI races out there. And I think I flew home March 13th, Mm. Uh, just with like, it was honestly just a, you know, kind of that moment where you kind of, you talk to family, talk to people, try to see where things are. And I just, I didn't, the races were actually still saying they were going to go ahead, but I didn't think it was right. Um, You know, everyone was finding different clauses of way to get through. I mean, in California, the governor had said, Hey, no gatherings of more than 20 people. And they were still having a race of more than a thousand people. So, um, 
flew home and then just kind of rescheduled from there. And rescheduling is probably just pretty much just saying, hey, we're going to try to just keep fit the entire year. And when races come, do a good two weeks of training and see where you can get to form-wise. So you were, though, you did end up moving to Colorado, correct? Or is this a training yeah. move? Or yeah, a- yeah, no, I, I ended up moving out to Colorado not until July, though, later oh. July. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, uh, I, Sophie works, my girlfriend works for Wahoo, which is really cool. Um, they were opening a sports science center out here. And this is all obviously happening also before COVID. Um, and yeah, I mean, as, as COVID just wore on, I was not sick of, but I definitely was trying to find motivation to really train hard. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity to get out, out to Colorado and, and, you know, actually pretty much test myself and work on skills that I didn't have, you know, that I lacked a lot of rock and technical uphill riding and um, stuff like that, that I had definitely lacked when it came to races out West. Do you feel like this, uh, is not as helpful with your Michigan based, I mean, you're a Michigan boy. So how does this, how does this work for you now living in and being in Colorado? (laughs) Yeah, no, it was, it was a big change. And I, I, I really, it is a little stressful at first because I was trying to figure out, you know, how do I continue this and still be a part of what matters to me? And I, you know, it's pretty much just like my parents aren't going to move. Um, I definitely like all, I want to support all the big races that happen there and, and be a part of what I can back there. Um, I think that, I think, yeah, it's just, it was, it was a big step for me to kind of figure things out. Um, my kind of thought process was like, I'm always traveling anyway out West at the beginning of the year and coming back. And so start to just have, have big trips in Michigan and be able to do more for longer times. Um, but the goal, and I don't know if Sophie, Sophie doesn't know this, but it's just, you know, to continuously every single year, come back for three months, pretty much to all the way through Iceman. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, we'll see. I mean, I think I, I still hope that I can be a part of that community and I, um, and I do, but this was definitely a step that I needed. I mean, just in, in three months, I saw a big improvement on the mountain bike. Just, you know, uh, um, it's just, it, it's hard to train for, for stuff out here that you don't have in Michigan, um, or, or, or only have very far North of me. Um, so well, it's just, yeah. DTE won't teach you technical handling skills. <laughs> there's a couple, there's, there's one thing I, I have, I haven't hit the, have you guys seen like the, the like wooden, wooden drop? Yeah. On, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. There's someone, yeah, someone hits it on going up the backside. I haven't been able to do that, I and mean, that's technical. <laughs> but I don't know if I have enough bike to do that anyway. So, <laughs> well, at, yeah. as hard as you might try, um, I think Michigan will always claim you. So, no matter where you live, <laughs> you won't be able to get away that that easily. So, yeah, no, I, yeah, and I, I think I think the big the big goal for me is kind of what we what we went on last year is that I just if I can still keep being involved and and make an effort to be, you know, what I wanted as a kid and you know little kids rides and like hopefully like Barry Ruby moving to October next year like it's great huh. for me you can put everything <laughs> together and like actually get a chance to do everything you know Barry Ruby being at the same time as Sea Otter is always a really hard pull, um, but like I've always wanted like almost as much as Iceman you know like I was talking to Matt when when shit started hitting the fan with COVID and it's like, Hey, if it happens, can you get me in? Um, and yeah, so obviously. Yeah. Are you, are you saying right now today that you're going to race, uh, Barry Roubaix in 2021? Uh, I, I would love to, there's no contradictions <laughs> right now. I'm, I'm all into race Barry Roubaix. I, I, it's funny cause it's not even the cool part is Barry Roubaix has gotten big enough that I don't even have to sell it. 
every company I'm talking to, you mentioned gravel and they're like, oh, there's that race in Michigan. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't know about it. I didn't <laughs> think I should go there though. Maybe we should put bonuses on it. Yeah, cool. Okay. I don't want anybody to stay with me. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. So, so instead of looking forward, I kind of want to go back a little bit. Uh, looking at your 2020 schedule, what was it supposed to look like before, as, as we've all termed it, the, the world went to shit? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's it it a lot of what I'd done before. I wanted to do a little bit more gravel racing, so I was, I was going to do everything that everyone expected, you know, Kanza. Um, I want to do all the Belgium Wolf Ride series. Um, uh, and I wanted to hopefully try to jump in one of the others at the end of the year, whether it be Crushing the Tusher, Lost and Found, or um, Rebecca's Travel Idaho. Just something else that was, you know, different, I guess. Not not as big, but uh, yeah, not as mainstream as Kanza, um, or Unbound, as it's called Unbound. now. Yep. <laughs> um, and then just all the epic rides and, you know, kind of figuring things in there. And then a big hurrah at Iceman and, you know... I, He's kind of like, I've kind of, I'm definitely a creature of habit. And the minute that something goes well, as it did in 2018, that's kind of always going to be my lead up to Iceman every single year now, if I can, <laughs> if I can do it. So yeah, that, the that's, the, that's, <laughs> that's the only issue with Barrier Bay is it better be luckier. It's not going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so I, yeah, I, um, it's kind of planned to be the same. And, you know, I think we just, every, no one knew like racing is such a, you know, other sports can go into bubbles, different things, but like nobody really knew where it was. And I think for me, it was my bigger issue with racing is just the social responsibility more than races actually happening. I think there's a lot of races happening at first or trying to happen. And I just, I, I mean, not to put anybody down or say anything, but I just, I didn't believe they should be happening. Um, so, you know, it's Epic Rides pretty much closed immediately. Belgian Waffle Ride tried to say they were going to put things on and then eventually um, canceled San Diego and and North Carolina, obviously, but still managed to have Cedar City. Um, and then I got to throw in uh, Pikes Peak Apex, which is really cool, up-and-coming race in Colorado Springs, a four-day mountain bike stage race. So I got to race twice. Um, neither race I actually planned on doing, but it ended up working out and fitting in. Um, there's also one, just one of the nice parts about being, you know, if I'd been in Michigan, it just it would have been really hard for me to race pretty much at all this year, just driving-wise. I probably w- I wouldn't have flown. I probably wouldn't have driven what 25 hours to get to utah um so it was it was nice to be able to you know hey get in the car and drive six hours and let's go race this gravel race um and still be able to somehow support sponsors and people who have supported me um and i honestly just have trained for something i mean that that seems kind of selfish to know other people have been able to race but um yeah just kind of like let it all out in one day yeah how, I mean- how have your sponsors been about um Obviously, they want you out racing, but then also, like you said, you have a social responsibility. Have your hipsters open pretty understanding? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the interesting part is, I mean, first off, as anybody can attest, we've all been um, affected differently by COVID. You know, I mean, there's, there's, um, you know, if you're in an ad to advertising agency, I'd say you're doing better. Um, and if you are in a restaurant, if you're working in a restaurant, um, in the restaurant category in any, in any sense, you know, you're going to be struggling. Um, so it was just pretty much in March figuring things out and making those calls. I mean, I've always, you know, prided myself on doing what I think was right ahead of what I really want to do. Um, and so, you know, it's just having those difficult conversations in some sense because, Hey, I signed this contract in January, but I understand you're in a different place. Is this still upheld? Can we do this? What can I offer more? Um, and just working through those problems because everybody was different. You know, there's a lot of cycling companies, as you, as you can imagine, they weren't really struggling per se. Um, on the other hand, they had way too much demand 
and couldn't keep up. Um, so in that sense, you know, you're trying to, to be involved in a way that's not, it's more storytelling and encouraging and less, Hey, go buy this because that just angers people may need to go on to go buy a bike and you can't buy a bike. Um, so yeah, so like, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but like did some, like I got to create a little scavenger hunt, which is really awesome. Um, oh, yeah. and that was like, that was like a, I don't know. It was fun for me to like, not only like hide on my home trails, I got home from riding and I, I tried to ride all of the trails in one day to hide everything in one day and like rode to the backpack all day and hide things. I got home or I got, I got through DTE, which is the first trail I did. And, and like five people have been like, Hey man, like I, just, I ran, I ran all of Pato. I was like, what are you, you ran all of Pato? I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, I didn't find anything. It's like, I'm so sorry. There's just nothing there yet. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's fun to be like riding my bike for pure enjoyment and then still be, you know, like half people were looking for them, half of them weren't. So people found these bottles and still reached out and, you know, there was different things inside that anybody would be happy about. And just whether they were doing anything, it just encouraged them to get outdoors. And I think that was, yeah, it's always hard to do those things, but I think that was probably one of the coolest things I did this year beyond racing the bike. So, yeah, I mean, did you find, uh, a normal season you'd be focused heavily on your training and your ultimate goals would be races and uh and places and and that kind of thing um this year yeah like you said is different uh focusing on creativity and storytelling uh what kind of positive things came out of it i mean you talk about that your scavenger hunt but did you on the other end now, looking back, do you, do you see that you have put new tools in your, in your toolbox? Yeah. I'm not, I'm very reluctant to say, you know, there are a lot of positives that came out of COVID. I mean, and I, for me personally, there have been, you know, I mean, I spent from, you know, pretty much March to, to July having taco Tuesday with my whole family every, like that doesn't happen when you get older, you know, like little things like that are kind of big. Um, but then just seeing the bike industry take a big step forward, in my opinion, um, I think there, I mean, my reasoning for, for not continuing to pursue road racing and trying to find a, a new pathway here was that, you know, I thought there could be a, a change coming in cycling that wasn't so elitist, that was more inclusive, that found people, you know, that, I mean, it, it, when it comes down to it, majority of people ride bikes to ride bikes, they don't ride bikes to race. And I think that was, that's been the cool part of COVID is that's, in my opinion, that's what's opened up this world. People are more interested in including people and, uh, and being able to tell stories that encourage people and creating that, you know, diversity in the sport that didn't exist than they were before because there's no events to be focused on or put budget into. There's, there's, there's more, there's, I mean, it, when it comes down to it, whether it's negative or not, there's more pressure on companies to, to take a stand, you know? Um, they, I feel like they had, many, many companies had 2019 to kind of say which way they leaned and what they were going to do the next year because, and then 2020 is the year people are, 2021 is people people are going to make a stand. And so I think it's been interesting to watch companies figure out how they want to be involved in the community without racing happening. You know, it's not just setting up a tent and going to a race and having people sign cards. It's how are you supporting people without there being any community and no group ride and anything else. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys can, can kind of attest and I'm sure a lot of bike shops can, but it's, it's been really cool that like there's the cycling community has grown so much and now it's just about retaining those people. And that was, a, that was a very jumbled, sorry about that. that was, no, I that's... went a lot of directions on that one. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, when it comes down to it, like I just, yeah, I think the cycling is moving in a positive direction for a first time in a while. 
Um, and I think that, you know, whether it was people getting on Swift or um, people using Strava more, like all of these, all of these things that we all find in our normal daily lives, normal people started to find because we are not normal. We can all agree on that. And it's just grown the cycling community in a positive ways, which is like what I want to be a part of. Sure. So I, yeah. And that, and then more so like, but you personally, um, mm-hmm. it'd be easy to kind of see a year like 2020 for a lot of us and say, this year was a huge step back. Are there, are there things about this year that you saw were big steps forward for you, whether that be training wise or whether that be just career wise and brand wise and sponsor wise, how is, how are you better off now than you were when we last talked in 2019? Yeah. I mean, I think it just, it's, it's, it, it comes down to kind of what I was just talking about that. I think companies are moving in the direction that I was trying to communicate when, when we talked 2019, you know, I, Companies are moving toward, it's not just racing. Obviously, at any point for any company, when you're trying to be that positive image for a company, you have to be validated in some way. You have to have, you still have to be a professional athlete. But at the same time, it has truly allowed me to be creative and work with companies in a, in a new way that I kind of wanted to. And it's, it's pushed me to actually, you know, get, get to deadlines and not just race my bike. Um, this is funny. You, you talk to people and you know, when I, when you, when I first signed with Shimano after 2018, I remember talking to, to my contact over there. I was like, Oh, like I'm, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and it's going to make a difference. And I truly believe that. But when you get down to racing, you race schedules are full. You only really have time for racing. And so this year has allowed me to kind of grow into, to finding finding that time when there aren't races and you're traveling to really focus on, you know, creating those little different things. And I mean, I think like next year for me is, is really cool. Cause I like, honestly, one of my biggest pitches to companies next year has been, this is what I'm going to do to help that new wave of riders coming in. It has been almost zero about what I am as an athlete, obviously all that's included. Hey, this is what I've done. This is what I did. That validates what I'm trying to pitch, but my entire what I think I'm offering them next year is just, you know, I, I want to be involved in, in like retaining this people, these people who are coming into the sport right now. Um, and that's, I think that's the way that I've grown is just kind of figuring out how to separate and kind of compartmentalize racing and, and, and riding for, you know, finding that why we're all on the bike in the first place. Now uh, I've noticed, you know, from every level of racer be professionals such as you amateurs like trevor and i i've noticed a lot of racers have stepped back to kind of reprioritize you know their time on the bike are you seeing a similar time or you know this companies taking time to see what the priority is um you know having a break from racing are you seeing even the the company side of it step back and be receptive to because you have you have these fantastic ideas of you know how how can we retain these new riders? Are you seeing the receptiveness from from the companies also? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I think it comes down to truly that you know you're not asking a company that's broke to give money. Also, cycling for a long time was an industry that kind of struggled, <laughs> um, and at this point, I mean, I think we all agree it's going to plateau at some point. But cycling is in a great place just as a community, um, and so 
growing on that is I think everyone's goal. I think the big question going into next year is like when our race is going to happen. Cause I think as vaccines come out and different protocols are run out and just rapid testing is available, it's much easier for races to happen in the U S you know, mm-hmm. um, so companies are trying to decide how much can we dedicate because we still, we still want to do the event stuff because when it comes down to it, no matter how you try to change for any company at an event, you, if you're trying to quantify what you get, you can quantify sales immediately after the event or the next week. Whereas investing in content or projects as well as that might pay off better is quantified over months or a year. And so that I think is the big difference. I think quarantine and COVID has pushed companies to, to do that because there hasn't been any physical contact and there hasn't been like, you know, it's pretty much been frowned upon to have two people holding out, like getting arms around each other, you know, like you can't, and that's what content has been. It's been emotion. It's been real. It's been raw. That's why content sells in, in the current situation, in the current um, state of things. But like, I think that's also hard when you can't be together and smiling and drinking beers in a lot. Can't be, can't be, I mean, like the amount of times I go to a phone to like, you know, when I was back, I was back for Thanksgiving. And I was one to write everybody's, hey, let's go ride Pato. Let's go ride DTE. Yeah. But like, you know, that's not correct. Um, you know, that's what I think companies are still battling. So I think it also comes down to like where things go from, from March on, you know, if races really start happening, then it's, it's going to be a fight to really keep things where they are. And if they don't, I think, you know, companies are truly going to see that like, we can, we can't do more than a year of this, um, dancing around, dancing around the fire and kind of just, just putting our feet in, you know, just kind of figuring out where they actually want to be. Um, but yeah, overall, I think just cycling is moving like did, toward more content or content being the more driving force in, in advertising, which is pretty cool. Did you see a big, um, improvement in your athleticism or your fitness or you as a, just as a person when you started to ride with your dog in a backpack? Yeah. Yeah. What's the wattage gain there? <laughs> you know, it's, something. it's pretty, it's pretty dang big. When Sophie rides the gravel bike and I ride the mountain bike with Willie on my back, it's, it's a lot. Um, I can do like a real training ride and, um, honestly, the only difference he's pretty dang good. He will, he's 11 pounds. So put that in perspective. Anyone wants to put a backpack on ride with 11 pounds. I think I already have 11 pounds on you <laughs> at least. So. Oh, I'm, I'm still 25 up. So, <laughs> But like, so it's, but the issue is it doesn't shift with you. Right. So the backpack, if you like take a tight corner, I, I've only almost eaten it twice, but like at DT, if you start leaning one way, you don't have as much time to catch it. If that makes sense. So like into any berms, if you have speed, you're fine. But the minute like you start to fall or like you try to, you lose your front wheel or anything, you have like milliseconds to get it back under you or, or like dogs going into the ground. Um, (laughs) But no, it's been, it is actually, it's so much fun. Cause even like when you go over tabletops, he like braces into your back with his feet. <laughs> He's like, I don't like this, but okay. It's part of the ride. Um, but did, yeah, he make, did he make the move out to Colorado with you? Oh, he did. He's, he's sound asleep underneath his bike set up on Zwift right now. So, um, <laughs> it's funny. He just, he loves the backpack, but it's, it's, it's also, I just, I always was like, Oh, I want a trail dog. I want a trail dog. I just never thought this would be my trail dog. I thought it'd be running beside me not on my back. <laughs> Well, you actually had a really good picture the other day of him in front of you, like going into a corner. It was a slow motion video. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. He was, I watched it, was, it like three times. 
he's such a trooper dude he it's so it's so cool he just like for a little dog he's got he i think the altitude has helped him he's, he's altitude training you know he's ready to go he did a five mile hike yesterday he's a wiener dog now the question is, is he gonna be on your back for Iceman? there you go oh no maybe for the kids ride yeah i don't know if yeah, i can but, say Iceman. i'm not i'm not that cocky i have to win i have to win back to back before we do that put some little like aviator goggles on him and take him out on the kids ride <laughs> I like put socks on his feet that stick out and like <laughs> he's, he looks starved. Yeah. He's he's a little spoiled. Um, but yeah, he's it's it's been fun. He's he's been fun to kind of train with, even when like I honestly just half the time, like if I go out for anything under three hours, I pretty much take him. That's awesome. Like, yeah. He just he just loves it. So did we I remind me I did we talk about gravel last time? Because I thought you were a little hesitant about really diving deep into the gravel scene. But it sounds like 2020 was you were going to do, I mean, not all gravel, but uh, it se- sounded like you're going to do quite a, quite a bit of gravel. Definitely a hefty dose. Yeah. I don't know how much we talked about it. I mean, I, I've always been, I think when I was trying, like as, as I kind of figure out what where I am in the sport and cycling, um, I'm hesitant because it's not challenging me as much. If that makes sense. Sure. Um, gravel is, I feel like just pretty much a straight parallel to road racing with a little bit of a loose, yeah. loose ground underneath your tires. More um, beer. A little bit more beer. The community is better. <laughs> um, no, but I, I don't know if I was hesitant, but I, I've definitely gotten on board more with the fact because I think, it is the easiest pathway to people who are getting into the sport. It's safer. It's, it's more exciting. There's, you can be alone and still enjoy it. Um, whereas, yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to tell anyone to ride down a, a, a busy road by themselves and say, you're going to enjoy it because you're not. Um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, I definitely, I definitely caught the gravel bug. And I think as I, as I do do more, I think it's only going to come more. I don't know how I'm going to feel about Kansas or Unbound. That's a little bit too much for me, but um, yeah, I just I just think gravel is inclusive and exciting. And like Cedar City was one of the hardest. Belgian Wall Fry Cedar City is one of the hardest courses I have done in a very long time. Yeah, let's, and on paper, on the paper, it looked easy. Well, yeah, well, we will get to that. I, I do want to ask you all about that, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I just I feel like gravel is the is the opportunity right now. And I, I see a lot of, a lot of people like you that are using that opportunity to, I don't know, to race, to get their sponsors, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of recognition. Um, and that, yeah, I just, I just was curious about that. I I've asked a yeah. couple others, um, you know, is it, is it necessarily gravel or is it just because gravel is the opportunity now? And if it was the nineties and you're coming off the world tour, would you be a mountain biker? Just a straight up mountain biker, you know, probably, <laughs> probably would, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think the one appeal to gravel that like straight up mountain biking back then didn't like it. There is a difference. Like, you know, I'll go out to a trail here in Colorado and ride it on the full suspension and love it to blast. And then it is batshit crazy, but I'll go ride the same trail on a gravel bike. And that sense of adventure and you ride it completely differently and you're just on edge the entire time down because you're like, this bike is honestly, it's going to die by the time I get to the bottom <laughs> of this trail. But like, yeah, that, that moment of like feeling bad for your bike is not a great feeling, but 
other than that, like I bet there's just such a sense of adventure and this bike can take you anywhere at a faster rate of speed. And it's kind of just, you know, it's, it can do everything well, which I think is just exciting for people getting into sport. It really cuts down on saying, Hey, Oh yeah, you don't own three, $5,000 bikes. What's your problem? It's just, you can, you can own one $3,000 bike that can actually do almost anything well. Right. And yeah, like I think especially in Michigan, like, I mean, I grew up riding on dirt roads because that's my mom, That's all my mom would let me ride uh, just with cars. And I did it on, on, on road tires and who cared, you know, and you pinch flat sometimes and that's how it goes. But the ability that gravel gives you to, you know, play with tire pressures and, and run 38 C tires and just ride the whole time and go from dirt to trail to mountain bike trail back to road is just really cool. The bike can do anything. And I think that's the difference that it's just, it, it, it captures no matter where you came from, or what background you come from, you can find something that you're connected with gravel in some way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I do want to talk about Cedar city. Yeah. Um, and that kind of seemed like a great way that you, I mean, for the season that wasn't, it was a great way to finish off the season, you know? Um, but before we do that, was there any reason you didn't try an Everesting or like some sort of FKT thing? It seemed like those, those were the popular things during quarantine and during lockdown. What's the deal, man? Like, how come you didn't oh, throw your hat in that? Damn, damn you, Trevor. I knew you were going to do this to me. Um, no, I'll, I'll just come out and say it. Uh, I'm very, very, very competitive. Um, if I was going to go for the Everest record, I would go for the record. I wouldn't do it to do it. Um, or I would do it in a very unique way. And I felt like... With a dog on your back? That could be it. But like, I don't know. Like For example, like Payson's Everesting, to me, was really cool. Like a mountain bike trail single track Everesting is batshit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not to say that Everesting wouldn't push me. It pushed me to my limits. But I would just... I would if I had been able to travel and go, Hey, this, this piece of climb is awesome. I want to do it here. I would do it. And, but now man, it, it's, it's at a level where you got to put in a lot of homework just to, it's not just power anymore. Right. Um, so you need to find the perfect climb to get toward that record. And I think like, I'm just, I'm just too, too focused on, on like being competitive. Like, I don't know if I could just do it. And that sounds so, that sounds such a wussy reason, but I have, I have some cool ideas of things I want to do that are more attainable for everybody. And I think that this could be fun for all of us. Like I have this idea that I want to do like, uh, uh, fastest vertical kilometer. So they do it running all the time, but like who can, who can go? So, I mean, pretty much you have to find a climb that goes straight up and who can go thousand meters up <laughs> like this. I like uh, that. But like different things, I don't know. Like it's just, 29,000 feet is not attainable to most people. Sure. And I think that like, as much as I, I, I know I can do that and I want to do that. I, my true narrative next year is, you know, trying to really be involved with everybody and have everybody be involved. And I uh, guarantee that my grandmother would not be able to climb Everest, but I bet you she can climb a uh, thousand meters, especially she can climb 3000 feet. She took her time doing it. So <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a different you kind, just of, call out your kind grandma? of, dude, my grandma's up. <laughs> my grandmother, I, you guys can post this picture if you want. She got hit by an SUV when this all happened. What? She gets off the ground. Her leg is 25 stitches. It's wide open. She's, I don't know, 70 or 72 years old. And she goes to this big man with her finger out and says, you know, sir, I'm happy I'm not dead, but I just want you to know you ruined my season of riding. 
was like, what? Like, and then for the next, for the following two weeks, we're we're canceling this interview. We want to talk to your grandma. We're done with Alexi. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'll set it up. But I just, it was so funny. And I was like, wait, yeah, no, I get that. But why did you confront him like that? I agree with you, but why? Yeah. Is Uh, Is her last name Vermeulen? Oh, it's peril. Okay, because I was mom, just gonna mother. say she's the most interesting Vermeulen from now on. But. <laughs> oh, she, I mean, she's still she's ridden almost every day on the trainer since then. But it's, it's just hilarious that she like. I mean, I was even talking to insane someone. Yeah, it's just she she loves riding. Um, but yeah, I just I just think you know, yes, I don't know. FKTs are still exciting. I think for me, it was more of just I wasn't up for traveling for no reason. It's just sure. that whole social responsibility thing for me. Um, but I. I will lead on that. I, I have a couple on the list for next year. Um, I, yeah, I also, I, like I said, I'm competitive. So I like to see where Keegan and, and Pete want to line up and then I'll go there after them, and <laughs> <laughs> see what I can do. See if I can mess up their little videos. Nash um, some rounds. <laughs> um, no, but I, I don't know. I think I, for me, like being a, like just competitive, that that's, that's what inspires me to kind of get out and have fun. Like the FKT stuff. Um, like pace and setting the bar, which is cool, but I definitely like to be the one to just shut the bar down, not just go out there and set it. So, um, but no, I, I think I want to hit white rim next year. I think there's a couple of cool ones in Arizona I'd like to do. I was just going to um, ask about white rim because yeah, I, I think it seems white like the popular right one. Yeah. It's popular and it's also not too long. I see like, this is the thing. I still kind of want to Everest just to say I did. Like I still, I want to do an iron. I want to do an Ironman. I want to do all these things. But I like years turning in your head right now. Like, you know, like, they've been, they've been turning. I just, I want to do something cool. And the reality is, I'm like, no offense to Sean Gardner. I think he's the one who still owns it right now. I'm not gonna shorten my cassette or cut my bars or do anything like that. I just, I, you know, I want to ride my bike as it is. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, yes. At some point, I probably should. I just. There was a while there where it was, um, I would say, less inspiring to see everybody starting their own Zwift rides and doing their own Everesting and trying to get people to do it with them. I was just, I, I needed a break from this. So hopefully we, we get back. When no one's doing it, I'll do it and at least expect it. Maybe like right after Iceman in Michigan. I looked at how much, it would take 30 laps on the Pato. That I sounds looked, awful. <laughs> I, I, honestly, my issue is it would, you would have to go for almost like 30 hours. If I continued to hold like an hour and a half lap, which is like hard, not that hard. I mean, you're talking about just like a day and a half. It's just more of like a <laughs> surrendering of sleep situation than. But like, I feel like if you did that, you would have to do it on Pato, right? Like that's your trail. So, but that, that's my point. It's like, if I yeah. did, I feel like I, it is, but then it's not like an official Everesting, right? Like it's not an up and down. Like there's all these different rules. Like it has to go up yeah. a certain amount yeah. and back. turn around and you go back and you have to finish yeah. that last lap. But like, if I would do it, I want to do it some way that like people can recognize it's that shit crazy. Like the same thing when I went and took the pot of KOM, I want, I just wanted to like, I went and did it after I did all of Island Lake, Brighton wreck because I wanted to do it at the end of six hours to say, Hey, like I, I I'm not just going to come out here like a bum hole. And just take this. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, I, I, yes, but it's funny. Every time I say I'm going to do it on Pato, everyone makes fun of me, but I, that is sounds terrible. Yeah. No kidding. You guys can come join me for like 10 laps. I did it for, that's, that's the problem. I did five laps on Pato two years ago, three years ago, and it still haunts me. 
Because <laughs> the fifth lap, I did 100 miles of Unpado. From my house, five laps of Pado and back is 100 miles. Ugh. And it, it was horrid. Yeah. You just start seeing things. All the shadows play with your eyes. Like, Pado's oh, unforgiving. Pado's not smooth. Pado rattled no. shit out of you. <laughs> it's, and it's just unforgiving. Like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like, if I, if I started at mid. If I started at midnight with, with, maybe I do a half everything on Pato. That's totally bad shit. Yeah, anybody from Michigan would be like mad respect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You start in the dark, so you end in the light when you're. See, but could you even do that? I'm trying to. I'm trying to calculate that out. It took me eight hours, pretty much, to do to five do laps. five laps. So like you're you're talking a day and a half. Like I don't think there is, and you've got to go daylight daylight. I think you need almost two full you days. You need to go so, through the whole night, yeah. yeah. So I think it's right when sunrise comes up, you ride all day through the <laughs> night and all day. But we, we now what? know Alexi's 2021 plan. <laughs> yeah, my plan is just to invite everybody who's gotten a bike this year during quarantine to come to it with me. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, you yeah. mentioned uh, lining up with Keegan, lining up with Stetna. Let's talk about Belgian Waffle Ride. Yeah. Um, so, what? so the, uh, Cedar city was the only Belgian waffle ride that was, that happened this year. Correct. That they, they usually have the one in San Diego. They came out with two other ones, Cedar city and Asheville. I was supposed to be at Asheville. Um, but of course, like everything else it was canceled, but they did have, uh, I think they moved Cedar city maybe to, is it October? Yeah, it was in October. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it seemed like, you know, it being one of the only races, especially in the fall, it brought out some some big names, you you among them. So tell us a little bit about about the race. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just going to preface it with, I was definitely skeptical about going. I was just worried, all social responsibility and all. Um, and I think it was, no, I just, it's funny because there's just, there was a lot of people on both sides. Um, it was as safe as they could have made it. Sure. Um, at the same time, you gravel races are mass start. And as the U S is, you pretty much have to start everybody on the highway at the same time. They only have 20 minutes to get off the highway. So the expo was great. It was all outside mass required. You couldn't get inside anywhere without a mask. Um, you know, the minute people stopped after the race, everyone had masks back on. Um, it's just, it was more people, different people. Like we were supposed to require to have our masks on until mile five into the race. And I would say most people didn't. Um, I probably had mine up till mile 20. Cause I was like, screw all you guys. I don't oh, want wow. COVID. Um, <laughs> I, I'll breathe through my buff for a little while longer. Um, but yeah, no, I Cedar city was just cool. It was a, a new course on paper. It looked for lack of a better word, a little, little lame, only 6,000 feet of climbing over 125 miles. Um, I, I, I can get more into that. I mean, but yeah, we started, um, it's chaotic because no one had been racing their bikes together and everyone's being <laughs> bum holes. And, uh, we went into this, uh, this like, it's just off this four lane highway. We took a right and then a right through a tunnel and everyone lost their minds, just started crashing into each other. Oh and then the minute you got through the tunnel, it's still supposed to be neutral, but it was gravel and you just could not see anything. Oh, it was dusty for sure. Right. Oh my God. And I just, there's guys like just eating, like, honestly, I saw one guy go airborne. He just got checked off his bike. Oh, no. And I, that was the moment that I was like, you know what? I don't care about saying your energy anymore. I'm going to the front. Um, 
but yeah, it's just gravel racing is cool. The fact that right, it just kind of goes out the back. The race kind of moves forward. It's not really anybody moving out the front for the most part. Um, and that's kind of what happened. You know, I think just kind of separated, kind of came back together. And there was only 50 of us left from the original 380 or 500 that started. I forget what it was. And then, you know, as you, we went into the first KOM, I, some guy crashed in front of me. I dropped my chain. And I chased so hard to get back. And I'm just like oh, no. looking up. And Ke- Ke- it's funny because I talked to Keegan before and I knew he was going to go hard to make to make that separation. I just looked up the climb. And I was like, God dang, my freaking life. <laughs> and uh, just just started riding through people for the next 20 minutes. Um, and caught the front group and then it split again. It was pretty much seven of us the rest of the day um, until the final climb. But I mean, that, was pretty, that was, was pretty cool about what they did is they had dune buggies to the whole time. I a lot about the dust that they caused, but at the same time, it was really cool to watch the footage after and like see people that were like watching from afar. You know, my parents pretty much watched the whole race. Um, oh, so they through, streamed it? Yeah, just like on Instagram and Facebook Live. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's just really cool to like just have something. And I was I was the no name rider until the end. No one no one knew my name. <laughs> <laughs> All my friends and family kept it's Alexi. <laughs> <laughs> This is okay. with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he looks like he's suffering again. Yep, that's how he always looks. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, and then uh, yeah, just the race kind of the seven of us from and we just kind of rolled rolled fast, which is fun. Um, uh, I mean, we did we did two hundred k in in six hours. Oof. Um, and like, yeah. So and then and we and the last twenty five k took almost an hour. Um, but yeah, we like, we came in, it was pretty much seven of us. We came into the final climb. It was like, I would say, I mean, it, it touched 18%, I think. And it was just like, I mean, like two to three inches of dirt. Oh um, I have a video on my Instagram of it the day before it's, it was like bad shit. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I, I was, I've never run an easier gear. How, how small of a gear do you think I ran? Um, did, are, are you talking 30, about, uh, are I, you ran, talking, I ran, I ran a double. So I had. So yeah, like thirty-four. Did you have thirty-four up front or thirty-six up front? Thirty-six. GRX thirty-one. Thirty-one. Thirty-one thirty-four. Yes. Thirty-one thirty-four. And I used that gear. (laughs) And and then you had a what eleven thirty-four in the back. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even know they made a thirty-one. Which which bike were you on? Yeah, I want to talk uh, about what bike you chose and that whole that whole thing. Yeah, so I was on the Bianchi Zolder, right? When it was actually announced in the U.S., it's it's okay. actually it's actually a cross bike, but um, it can take up to forties. Um, so I was on the Bianchi Zolder uh, with GRX, just like a forty-eight thirty-one. Um, it was actually pretty good. And then um, uh, I ran. I went. I decided to go file tread, which probably wasn't the right choice coming down to that hill. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Keegan and Pete just ran a little bit of tread in the middle too, which I just, I don't think you lost very much during the rest of the race. Um, but I ran like Victoria Torino dries, so it's like a, it's like a little bit of knobs on the outsides, mm-hmm. and then the middle is kind of like a flat, just a very pretty much smooth, almost slick. Thirty eights. Yeah, so, I've got I've got the mixed version of that tire. That's what I wish I'd run. That that's a for a mix. It's surprisingly not uh, Trevor. It's that. Uh, I know we, we, you and I were on a ride one time, and you were talking about my tires humming. That's oh, what yeah. that wheel, yeah. that's what that tire was. I just like I don't know how you feel about the the mixes, Sheldon. But for me, like you just ride on t- like they're pretty fucking smooth riding on the road because they just ride on top of that tread. 
but then you actually have something to catch you when you start getting a little crazy. You have some serious bite. I've got the uh, the 33 is just the cyclocross mm-hmm. version of them, and I I like them. They're they're pretty good on asphalt, but man, you get them on gravel and those things bite in hard. Yeah. No, and that's definitely what I was missing a little bit when we came down. I mean, it was honestly three to four inches of sand. And I just like, I was in my 31, 34, just hating like, <laughs> we pretty much, we went over the top, like Pete and then like five seconds, Keegan and then, like seven seconds, me. Um, and I got this computer about to die. Um, and uh, yeah, but it was just like kind of crazy. Just, figuring out where there's just there wasn't really tactics everyone just rode hard i think nobody nobody really knew where they where they were um physically yeah um i definitely thought keegan was heads up to win whether or not he thought that just coming from the world cup and world championships um but yeah i don't know it was it was fun it kind of just kind of came down to like so anyway so we go uh jumping around so we go up this this climb it's like Two and a half miles. It hits eighteen percent. It's like, I mean, honestly, my like Sophie, my girlfriend, was doing her first gravel race. She had her game plan for this climb was to find the areas where it was hard packed, and she'd sprint to that area. So, like, if the climb is turning like this, she'd sprint diagonally to that area, get off her bike, and take a running start at the next section to get to the <laughs> next area. It was that much sand. Oh my god! And she was running forty twos. Um, so anyway, so then you get over, you descend down. Uh, it's kind of the same thing, a little sketchy, but I mean, you know, like deep sand's a little easier when you have speed. Um, and so you get down, it's like two miles straight, flat, straight road. Um, and then you make a hard right, one mile kind of falls flat uphill. And then you enter this just four miles of just like, it would be a lot more fun on a full suspension single track. <laughs> just like sharp rocks. You're constantly like, oh my God, that's going to sit. Oh, that's going <laughs> to kill me. Um, and just like your arms are blown out on the bike. Um, and yeah, you finish that and you get off the four miles of single track and you have five miles of bike path back to the finish. Um, but yeah, I, I, I pretty much like the minute that I, the minute we went over that climb, I was pretty much done. That, that effort in the beginning had pretty much cost me the race. I was cramping so badly. Um, I just, I tried to race, but those guys were, were gone. So, but uh, third place, third place overall, right? Third yeah, yeah. I, got, I got third, but I definitely, like I said, I'm competitive. I didn't go there to get third. I didn't train all year for third, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I know Belgian Waffle Ride prides themselves on throwing every surface imaginable kind of into it. What was the breakdown between, you know, the gravel, the single track, and the and the paved? Yeah, I would say, that's the one thing. Is like, I would not, even if you're a professional, 38 is the smallest tire you want to run. It is. Like, that is a pure... That is a, that is a, it's a monster race. Um, I don't know if I trying to think back, I'd probably say 80% gravel. Okay. 5%, 5% single track. Yeah. Time wise. And then the other 15 asphalt. It looked, Um, it looked to me more of like a pure gravel race than necessarily the San Diego course, which is a little more like a lot of paved climbs and then some gravel and single track thrown in. Yeah, and I think that's kind of their point. Like when you talk to Michael Marks, like the director, that is like San Diego is supposed to be, you know, a road race with sectors, like a Paris-Roubaix-ish mm-hmm. race. And this is, for lack, like this is gravel. That's their goal here. Got it. Um, and from what I understood, Asheville is in between both of those. It has more climbing, a little more asphalt. It's longer, but it has both. Um, whereas like this race, I, I honestly don't think I could milk a road bike through it. 
Like, I, I don't think you could get a road bike through it. Like, there was people on mountain bikes, and honestly, I envied them sometimes. Dude, you couldn't even get to Grand Haven. <laughs> there we go. Sorry about that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I should just stick to gravel and mountain biking. Uh, leave, yeah. leave, the road t- leave the road tires at home. Maybe Fair this enough. is this is what I'm remembering from our last conversation, but I think we we had asked you whether or not um, you would ever run drop bars on the Iceman course. Oh yeah, it, that, it, that that's a no, just because I don't want to give Kabush the satisfaction. Damn you, Alexi! Come on, I, I gotta stick with where I am. I feel like if it was like, oh, I guess never say never, but. Uh, I don't know. Like that, uh, I'll rephrase that. Could, this year, I don't know if you guys wrote the course this year. This year, Iceman Weekend would have been insane. There's zero chance a mountain bike would have won. Really, wow. it was so fast. And also, I hope Cody hears this. The course got stupid. There wasn't enough single track anymore. <laughs> we know he listens. So. Call out Cody. <laughs> no, I, I know I love Cody, but I, there was that. There was it was just fast. There was you know. It's, what is it? 60 degrees. I was in short sleeves. Oh yeah. It was a warm weekend for sure. It was like, I mean, it's a little bit of sand in the beginning, but like it was fast and there was less climbing, less single track. Like honestly, I think the pros would have done it in, in less than an hour and a half. Like it was flying. I, we, I think we did it in two hours just riding like with Grady, with my, with Dan's son. Yeah. (laughs) Who I'll give it to him. It's very strong right now. He just did a power test on Zwift. I'm coaching him, by the way. Very proud coach over here. Um, he did – He he he's a – he's 13 years old, and his power threshold was like 220. What does he weigh like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say he weighs like, yeah, like 55. Okay. Yeah. That's standard. <laughs> it's like 4.5 watts per kilo yeah. for a 13-year-old. <laughs> it's pretty dang good. Wow. So – uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like this year I would have had a lot of trouble not running a gravel bike. Yes. But um, luckily I didn't have to get into that. Sure. Well, I, and I mean, when you're talking about uh, Cedar city and some of the conditions and you on a gravel bike, I just yeah. kind of thought, well, I mean, maybe after, after uh, experiencing that ride and that route, maybe you would consider the possibility yeah. of riding drop bars on ice on the Iceman course. Yeah. I mean, I think that the difference is for me also is like, I want to believe that Iceman is trending the opposite direction. I don't know. Last year after the race, I don't know if you saw as much articles about like, is Iceman a, is it mountain bikers courses? Sure. And is it, was it a gravel race before we all knew it? Um, and it's just, I, I feel like the answer is it's not because of you just can't guess the conditions. Like you can't tell me last year would have been fun to be on a gravel bike. Zero it was chance. A blast. It no, was it a was blast. not. I listened to you talk about it, Sheldon. And every time you do, and I'm on a ride, I hear it on the podcast. I'm like, Sheldon is lying through his teeth right now. <laughs> Zero chance. It was fun. <laughs> the single speed made it fun. No, I, I will rephrase. There's a middle ground. I guarantee a like a cycle cross tire was more fun than a fat bike last year oh absolutely <laughs> I, ran, I well so i ran the uh the wtb nanos and they're an oversized cyclocross tire yeah. they killed it in the mud like yeah. just cut in cut it, through yeah yeah it, it was they were solid and but, they, and they 
They but just throw mud. Also, Sheldon, there's a difference between having fun riding Iceman and having fun racing Iceman. And oh, you got oh, to a point because of just the, the conditions sure. and oh, the yeah. traffic jam that you weren't the racing it. Sucked. Yeah, the traffic yeah. jam. Yeah. But yeah. like racing no, it on a on super skinny tires on a drop bar on a gravel bike that could be yeah no and I think that's that's the difference right I felt like also just it's it is different racing like for me to win the race last year I didn't run the tires I wanted to like I ended up running the mezcals that were they're fine they're not a great mud tire though right it's a pack a super packed um, tread because all I was aiming for was the last ten miles yeah um, that I knew would be more hard packed so. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just so different when you race it. And I feel like that, that, that day before, I kind of like, I'm always, I think I we talked about this last year, but I'm always like, okay, this day before I'm locking things in, I'm done thinking about it. Like, that's kind of it. Like, you can't, I can't second guess myself all day. Um, I will also say that I don't truly believe Kabush's setup is a gravel bike. It's not. Normal <laughs> people can't fit 2.1s in their gravel bike. <laughs> it's just, that's, a, that's different. Yeah, yeah. The, the, um, the only 21s I have are my uh, my 26, my 19. So I actually dug in. It's a 1994 Trek 7000. That's the year that, I was born. That that's the <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Way to make me feel really. <laughs> so that's the closest thing I have to a mountain bike is my single speed 26 or drop bar. <laughs> that's probably well, pretty close to what Kabush was riding too. Yeah. <laughs> Except, Except in 29. In 29, yeah. yeah. No, but I think that's the difference also. It's like also, just to take take one more stab, is if you go look at the pro field, I think five or six guys ran drop bars last year. One of them finished in the top 10. Oh, yeah. I, you I, had to be able to ride the fuck out of your bike. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just my opinion. I guess I, it's, yeah, it's hard. I feel like also it's easier to ride drop bars at Iceman if you – aren't from Michigan and don't ride it all the time. Like I, I would feel like I'm disgracing Michigan. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it comes out to it. It's a mountain bike race. Steve Brown prides himself on it being a mountain bike race. I, I think that's good enough reason as any, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, it, it, yeah, I, tradition, I go man, it, tradition, whatever, whatever Steve Brown says flies because he is ice man. Yeah, no. So it was anyway, but never say never. You never know. Well, uh, what um i mean you already kind of talked about next year you're 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 kind of focusing what to me it sounded like you were focusing on uh the real inclusive aspect of of riding and not yeah. only your own riding but like including as many people as you possibly can getting like spreading the stoke to as many people as possibly can um anything else you want to talk about that in like a very specific way <sighs> I've been debating if I was going to drop this in the podcast all do day. Do it. Do it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be vague about it. But so working with a friend in Boulder, and so the, the really cool thing that we're doing next year is uh, we're going to take three riders who found like found the bike during quarantine or like for the, for the first time or, or refound it and follow their process from their first time on a bike in a while to Leadville. And oh. <laughs> in like a, in like an episodal series and like, you know, um, trying to like the goal is to like shorten the learning curve of cycling, make it more accessible, show that like what could be considered one of the hardest, right, hardest mountain bike races in the nation is kind of attainable. Um, it's more of just, you know, whatever you're doing, 
compartmentalizing it and figuring out what you can do to kind of just enjoy the bike, whether it is, whether it is, you know, training for a race or whether it's just because you want to be able to ride from your house to your aunts on Thanksgiving. So you don't get fat, whatever reason you have. Um, I think that's, that's, that's kind of the one big cool thing we have on the pipeline that, um, we got to announce a lot more in January, but it's, yeah, it's just exciting to be able to like focus on not just racing. Um, cause I, like, I don't think we're going to know about racing until come March. Yeah. So. We'll make sure when you get those, when they start releasing, shoot them our way and we'll do some promotion for those. So that sounds awesome. Yeah. No, yeah, I definitely will. It, it'll be fun. It's, um, it's just cool. Like I wish I could, could say a lot more now, but like, it's just cool to like be able to work with a bunch of brands who are just excited about that. And they're like, not just racers, you know, like how many of us can actually just go buy a $10,000 bike? I can't like, you know, it's just, it's cool to be able to, you know, like when I, when I, like you talk about how I felt in March and April, you started talking to different, different bike shops and you're like, no one had a $1,500 to $3,000 bike. And that is like, so cool. Like that's, that's what we all got into this for. But usually when we tell our friends, they all think we're stupid. And now we're all stuck at home and like everyone else is searching for bikes. So, um, like I, I've had, so many messages and texts this year from like friends from high school uh, or, or like cross country or anything else that have been like, Hey man, like how to mountain bike and like, what do you think I should do? Or like, Hey, I got new shorts. They don't feel good. I was like, well, stop wearing underwear underneath them. <laughs> like, um, it's just, it's just been like, so many people are like, it's not just the old, not to say I'm, I, I'm annoyed with this, but the, the old message of like, Hey, I want to get into racing. How can I become professional? That's great. But like, you got to start by just riding your bike a lot yeah. and enjoy it. Like, if you don't, you're not going to make it very far in the sport. So perfect. Yeah. Uh, that's great, man. Yeah. Um, thank you for, I don't know, for the conversation again. I mean, we've been keeping in touch a little bit, but we haven't had a real conversation since, uh, for a yeah. while here. I'm so. still going to say we, we all got to get together. Cause I, I, yeah. I, I feel like I screwed the pooch a little on this one. I was all over the place. I didn't know what to say. No, I, no, I loved it. That was uh, good. It was all but, good. But man. when you get to Michigan, yeah, we definitely have to go. Uh, hopefully, you know, Oh, fingers crossed. COVID's on its way out. Hopefully yeah. we can all get vaccinations and life yeah. can return to some form of normalcy. And when it does, uh, hopefully you're, you're coming through the area again and we can go snag a beer and yeah. sh- shoot the shit. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think that's, that's probably, I think that's the thing that's taken for all of us. I feel like when I've listened to your, your guys' podcast too, it's just like, you talk about beers after a ride or anything else. Like that's, you can still go ride your bike, but if you were riding your bike before, you know what you're missing now. Sure. And that's probably the hardest part, right? Is yeah. like whether it's like finding someone to ride with and doing it safely or being able to do something after, it's just like I mean, that that was a weird part of Iceman. There's a still a thousand people on Iceman, but let me tell you, it was a weird feeling rolling in Timber Ridge. Well so, we we hope that it will cease to be an issue yeah. soon. For for not just Iceman, for so many other races, for so many other people and yeah, we can start to have this community again that we've been missing for so long. Um, yeah, we can go meet out at Tusher and the Crusher. I know you were thinking about doing that. Oh yeah, oh, I, would love, <laughs> I would love to get out there for that. Yeah, for sure. I, I just have to lose twenty five pounds. We were. I mean, we <laughs> I'll, were... I'll, I'll carry Willie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a fair trade. <laughs> I got. I got. I got to carry food to feed him too. So it's about twenty five pounds. There you go. There you go. Perfect. It all evens <laughs> out. <laughs> We're well, all we'll, we'll give you we'll give you one of our twenty six inch uh, mountain <laughs> old mountain bikes, the one that's as old as you, and uh, let you ride that. He can, he can run as, as, as long as, as he drops far. 
Oh, it'll be drop bar for sure. It is yeah. a drop bar. <laughs> and they're awesome flares. It's oh yeah. Uh, We're gonna hold you to this, Alexi. That's <laughs> I'm all in for it. I don't know if Willie is, but I'll ask him later. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, for sure. Let me know. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. It's honestly always such a blast. And um, yeah, always let me know if I can do anything to help you guys out. Also, so it's sure. always like seriously. I listen every podcast you guys put out. I listen to on the ride. So well, we we appreciate we, that. We really appreciate it. And, your uh, uh, your original your original episode. I just have to say, I just it just like it's 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 very memorable to me. I mean, from us going over to your place and then just the whole th- because it was it was at the beginning of our whole journey doing podcasts and uh and then we caught you at a at the perfect yeah. time and it was just great so it just i don't know i feel like it's yeah. it really helped us kind of get going and then no, that's what's hard time. for me too right because now i'm like shit this doesn't this is doesn't hold smoke to the last one <laughs> it's well, like oh next time next game i'm coming on i'll just have to go do something really cool right before it maybe i'll just that's i'll everest right before you tell me i'm getting on <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be able to. <laughs> that'll have something to just start it off I, and just set a spark. Listen, I don't know, man. I don't know. Not that you can't accomplish great things, because you really can. Sure. But like the first time you win ice, man. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, I, yeah. Listen, I, you, I, you you can't capture that. I I will I, not be able to. That emotion wasn't. It's not going to beat that. So, I hate oh, to. It's, I it's, hate it's to like well, win Barry Roubaix. Well, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, has anyone ever won? You got you got to put them all together now, right? You got to win Barry Roubaix, Shaquem again, Iceman, and uh, the and Margie and Margie, Margie. All, all in one year. <laughs> there you go. That, that's the, the true crown. Right? Yeah. And Everest on Pato. <laughs> then you're a true Michigan rider. <laughs> I think you just you just called yourself okay. out. Like <laughs> it's, it's it's out there. Anyone who does it, I'll do it with you. It's in the universe. It's got to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have a dog the whole time. Uh, that's oh, great. I don't know if Willie signed up for that. We'll see. <laughs> Willie's um, like, dude, leave me out of this. <laughs> shit. Um, awesome, guys. Well, yeah, it's great to talk. And uh, yeah, hopefully awesome, catch up buddy. sometime soon. Yeah, man. Have a great uh, holiday. And uh, yeah, until next time. Yeah. Until next time. See you, Alexi. See you guys. Man. Bye. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, or call our hotline at 616-522-2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by Trevor Gibney. Sheldon Little handles the social media, graphic design, and of course, bad decisions. And a very special thank you to Alexi Vermeulen for joining us to close out our 2020 Dirty Chain podcast season. And as always, keep your chain clean. But get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack in 2021. What's the shit about...
Have you seen all these people running now? Yeah, screw this shit. What in the world? No, I, I feel like if anything, we need to reach out to Roy Kranz and be like, stop. Stop pushing this running nonsense. <laughs> but no, I think it started with like, so Todd put up the thing with the crusher where you could do the running event and then people start running and then kind of snowballed, you know, uh, uh, pun intended with the, they have like a snowshoeing event now for Polaroid. Like this is getting out of hand and ridiculous. <laughs> we need to put a stop to it. <laughs> We need to go up to Copperheart or up to Marquette and be like, Todd, stop. <laughs> enough. Enough's enough. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs>